Howdy, howdy, folks. I am Father Fred Gatchett, and you are tuned into the Double-Edged Sword program here on the fine family of Divine Mercy Catholic radio stations, KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, KJDM 101.7 Lindsburg Salina, KMDG 105.7 Hayes, and where it all began, our classic station, 88.1 KBDM Hayes. And here on the Double-Edged Sword program, we are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And today, what I want to use these wonderful Catholic radio airwaves for is to talk about the difference between evangelization and catechesis. And um, you might think, well, okay, that's a nice religious topic for a religious you know, radio station. But I think it's, you know, you're going to find as the, as the program unfolds, it's a little bit more um, nuts and bolts and a little bit more kind of down to earth than what you might think. And the reason why I want to talk about this is, first of all, I think what we'll do is we'll just define what the two things are, the difference between evangelization and catechesis. I'm going to tell you why I want to talk about the difference. Catechesis is basically teaching us the nuts and bolts of the faith, the things we need to know just so that when two believers sit down and talk about something, they know they're talking about the same thing and they have a common frame of reference. So, for example, examples of catechesis would be learning the Ten Commandments. Okay, That way, when we sit down and we can say, well, as the Fourth Commandment says, honor your father and your mother, well, since both of us know what the Fourth Commandment is, we can have a conversation. And so it's necessary then for us to have some kind of a common frame of reference and a common vocabulary. So when we talk about things like sacraments, we talk about things like prayer. Someone says, let's say the Our Father together. Well, we all know what it is because we've been catechized. And so catechesis, of course, is very important because catechesis gives us that, that common vocabulary and that common frame of reference so that we can discuss and even practice our faith. You know, for example, when we, when we go to Mass, you know, we have to be catechized as to the responses at Mass. The Lord be with you and with your spirit, you know, and things like that. And so that's catechesis. Evangelization is something else. Evangelization is introducing people to the person of Jesus. And, you know, evangelization is learning to know the person of Christ. Evangelization isn't necessarily book learning. Evangelization is coming to know who the person of Jesus is. And so these are two separate things. They're not opposed to each other because in order to, in order to be evangelized, we first have to be catechized. And, um, and the only reason why I want to be catechized is to, you know, it, I mean, what's the point in learning what the sacraments are, learning prayers and so on, if they're not going to lead us to get to know who the person of Jesus is? And so the, the two are, are very much intertwined and, you know, they're, they're inextricable from each other. But they're two totally separate things. Now, why do I want to talk about this today? The reason why is this. If you listen, for example, to Catholic Radio, listen to Crest in the Afternoon. Al Crest is a great guy. I've met him before. He was at one of our um, Divine Mercy um, banquets one time. Great guy. Fun guy to sit around and talk to. Very intelligent. He's got a great show on, you know, Crest in the Afternoon that comes on. And so, Al, if you're listening to my show here and you want to have me on your show, I'll be glad to talk about this sometime. But what the deal is, is on a couple of times on Al, and not just on Al Crest's show, but on, on other programs here on, on Catholic radio, on EWTN radio and so on, I've heard people, they say, well, you know, Catholics tend to be very well catechized, but not very evangelized. 
And I thought about that for a long time. I thought, well, okay. So, you know, we have Catholic schools. We have our religious education programs where we sit kids down and we teach them the seven sacraments and we teach them the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, for confirmation preparation. We teach them the Ten Commandments and, you know, so on and so forth. All these various things that, that, you know, the book learning and stuff. I mean, I teach at a Catholic high school where I teach scripture to sophomores, Old and New Testament. And so we go through and we learn the, the flow of events of the Old Testament from Abraham Isaac and Jacob and Moses and King David and all that kind of stuff. And again, you know, that's all, you know, kind of part of catechesis, you know, teaching people the, the again, the sort of the nuts and the bolts of the faith. And so again, and again, I'm not just, I'm not picking on Al Crested because like I said, don't get me wrong. I really respect the guy. I love his show. I like listening to it, but I'm just kind of, I'm using him as kind of my case in point because I've heard him on a number of times on his program talking about the difference between catechesis and evangelization and saying that Catholics tend to be very well catechized, or at least somewhat catechized, but not very well evangelized. And the more I thought about that, and the more I've looked into it, and the more I've you know kind of studied scripture about it, I don't know, I guess Al and I would have to have a discussion about this, because um, I don't want to say Al's wrong, but I think that he and other people that make this distinction between catechesis and evangelization, and saying that Catholics might not necessarily be very well evangelized, I'm just going to offer a point of view on this program that I think might make them, you know, think about their their position there a little bit. Because I tend to think that, and I can prove from Scripture, that Catholics are probably quite a bit better evangelized maybe than what a lot of people think, okay? And so, you know, when, when, we, when we think about what it means to be evangelized, and evangelization, again, means coming to know the person of Jesus. And why do we want to know the person of Jesus? Because we want to learn to love the person of Jesus, because he first loved us. And, you know, again, why do we want to love the person of Jesus? Well, anyone that would put his arms out and, you know, have his hands and feet, you know, have nails driven through him for the love of us, the least he deserves in return is, you know, a a certain amount of love from us back to him. And so, you know, the, the whole idea behind evangelization then would be to come to know and love the person of Jesus. Okay, now, so we say, well, but what do you mean by that? What does it mean to love Jesus? And that's kind of the question, because in our times, sad to say, a lot of whatever love is has been reduced and cheapened into where it's just some kind of a feeling or an emotion. And so a lot of people are sitting there thinking, I think of it this way about your evangelization as opposed to your catechesis. If someone comes up to you and says, oh, you're a Christian, huh? Yeah, Catholic. Oh, yeah, Catholic school? Sure, you bet. Tell me the Ten Commandments. Can you list for me the Ten Commandments in order? And I think a lot of Catholics would kind of say, well, yeah, uh, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, do not take the Lord's name in vain. I know it's not in order. Let's see if I can remember them all, you know. And so th- they might not be able to list all the Ten Commandments. They might be a little bit embarrassed because, well, I guess I should know them, but I don't. I know some of them, but I don't know them in order. And you kind of walk away thinking, well, I guess I'm just kind of stupid. Maybe I should have paid better attention in religion class. But then if someone comes up to you and says, do you know Christ? Do you love him? Do you love Jesus? Do you know Jesus? That question, I think, makes most people a lot more uncomfortable than asking someone, 
Can you list for me the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit? Uh, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, fortitude. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Fear of the Lord. Uh, what's the last one? Uh, oh, piety, piety. Yeah, okay, I think I got them all, okay? So someone asks us to list the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's one thing. But someone comes up and says, do you know Christ? Do you, do you know who Jesus is? Do you, do you love Jesus? I think that might make us a little bit more uncomfortable for the simple reason that I know what it's like, for example, you know, in these various human relationships that we have. You know, a man might say, well, I know and love my wife. That's for dang sure. A woman might say, I know and love my children. That's for darn sure. You know, or, you know, someone would say, you know, yeah, you know, my my friends at school or, you know, whoever it is, these are people that I know and to some degree that I love. And so I go, well, I know what that's like. I know what it means, you know, for these people in my life that I can shake their hand or give them a hug or, you know, if it's a husband or a wife, you know, we can snuggle and cuddle and, you know, all these wonderful things, you know, these parts of our, of our human relationships. And we say, well, yeah. I know what that means, but to, to then transfer that, to say, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, when I've never shaken his hand, when I've never seen his face, and I'm going, I don't know if I can really say that. At least not the same way that I can say that I love my spouse or my children or even I love my country, you know, things like that. And so we're asking ourselves the question, well, I just, you know, it's one thing to say that I can't recite the Ten Commandments, but it's another thing if someone's going to ask me if I know and love Jesus. Well, what, the more I thought about this over the years, the more I was thinking, well, there's got to be an answer to this. And, of course, where do we find the answer? Good old Scripture. You know, that's where we find the answers to stuff, especially if it has anything to do with Jesus. And so, as I was looking primarily through the, through the writings of St. John, the Gospel of St. John and, um, and, and the letter and the first letter of John. You can see that I'll have some examples here from the Gospel of St. John that, you know, John was there at the Last Supper. And then you can see in the letter of John, he was paying attention at the Last Supper because he takes the words of Jesus and then weaves them into his own teaching. But first, if we're going to try to come to some kind of a conclusion as to what it means to know and love Jesus, I'm going to start first in the Gospel of St. Matthew. And this is the very end of the Gospel of St. Matthew. It's in chapter 28, the last few verses. And this is after Jesus rose from the dead, and then he commands the, the, the apostles to meet up with him on the Mount of Olives. And so as he's standing there, it says, and Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Okay, that's the end of the Gospel of St. Matthew. Now, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This tends to, this is the key teaching right here. If we go to the Gospel of St. John chapter 14, this is about verses 15 through 17, something like that. This is in what's called the Last Supper Discourse in the Gospel of St. John. If you look in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and if you have a regular Bible, that's if you open up the page and, you know, physically speaking on the page, there's two columns of print, which is usually the way they do it. And so if you have a Bible 
where there's two columns of print on each page, and you read the Last Supper stories in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, the Last Supper story is going to be maybe a fourth or a third of one column on one page in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In the Gospel of St. John, the Last Supper is chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. The Last Supper is five chapters long. And in it, Jesus is giving the apostles a whole bunch of teachings, knowing that his time on earth is short, and he's trying to you know, pack as much stuff into their skulls as he can on this last night that he's going to be alive with them. And so in chapter 14, kind of at the, at the beginning of, of what's just called the Last Supper Discourse, Jesus says, if you love me, oh, well, now, if you love me, then he's going to tell you what chapter you to show that you love him. So does he say, if you love me, you will have warm, fuzzy feelings inside whenever you hear my name. No, he doesn't say that. If you love me, you're going to be jumping up and down, yelling, praise Jesus. No, he doesn't say that. He says this, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So there you have from the mouth of Christ himself in his mind what it means to love him. If you love me, keep my commands. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. All right? He can't make it any clearer. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You are my friends if you do what I command. Well, there it is again. It couldn't be any clearer. If you keep my commands, you remain in my love. You are my friends if you do what I command. All right? Also in there, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. To understand what he's saying there, we have to know the difference between joy and happiness. We might think those words are synonyms, but they're not. Happiness comes from the old English word, you know, from our old language ancestor of old English, of hap, H-A-P. And hap is where we get the word happen or like happenstance from. Happiness happens to you, all right? I can tell you a few stories of myself when I was happy. Um, one time when I was out walking my dog, this is when I was in Hayes and I was walking him on the dike there by Big Creek, um, you know, over by the university. And I was walking the dog, I cut him loose and just let him run, and I'm walking along, and I look down, and I kid you not, there on the ground, there was a $20 bill just sitting there in the grass. Some poor slob lost it. There's no way I could find out whose it was. It was just a $20 bill sitting there. And so I picked it up and I kept it, and I was happy. I was happy for a little while because I happened upon a $20 bill. I've long since spent that $20 bill probably on some gas or something like that, and I'm not happy about the $20 bill anymore because it's gone, all right? So happiness happens to us. On the other hand, joy is an internal disposition, all right? Someone can be very unhappy and yet be full of joy. You know, for example, someone could be at the funeral of someone that they love dearly and be very sad. They are not a happy person but they can still be joyful, all right? And so what does Jesus tell us? He says, by keeping his father's commands, he finds joy. 
and that he wants us to keep the commands so that his joy can be ours and our joy can be complete. And so, again, what's Jesus promising us here? That if we want to say that we know him or that we love him, we keep his commands. And that furthermore, by keeping these commands, we find ourselves then in a position where we can experience joy, where we can have this internal disposition that is not dependent on something from the outside. Okay, And so, um, you know, the, I think that's, that's a pretty important point there that Jesus makes here in John 15. Now, in the first letter of John, St. John says, We know that we have come to know him if we, are you ready? Keep his commands. There it is again. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And then the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So once again, the way we know him is if we keep his commands. Then in 1 John chapter 5, this is how we know that we love the children of God. This is 1 John 5 verses 2 and 3. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is, to, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Um, when when St. John talks about the commands not being burdensome, a lot of people might take exception to that. They might say, are you kidding? You know, being a Catholic, being a Christian, there's so many rules I have to follow, I can't even hardly look up. Well, I think that's just, a, you know, people that have a, a, a junior high version. In fact, a lot of junior high kids are much more sophisticated than that. But, you know, people that just have a very incomplete knowledge of or incomplete understanding as to what, you know, the Christian life and the Christian ideal and the, the Christian ethic is all about, they're going to make that complaint. Oh, you know, there's too many rules and I can't make my own choices and the church wants to do my thinking for me and so on. Well, St. John is telling us that these commands are not burdensome. We need to ask ourselves a question. What is the heavier burden? Obeying what the scriptures and what the church teaches us, for example, on moderating our consumption of alcohol? You know, saying that, you know, a, a glass of wine with supper or a beer with your pizza, you know, that's okay. But if we're going to go out and drink just for the sake of drinking, you know, so that we ultimately alter our mind or we can't think straight, and then you get a DUI, hmm, DUIs are kind of expensive. I read the other a while back that you know when if you get a DUI, your first DUI, by the time you pay the pay the fines, and by the time you pay all the other things you're gonna have to pay for the the classes you have to take from your order by the court, and also the fact that your your insurance rates are gonna go sky high for about five years, that DUI is gonna cost you about ten thousand dollars. Now, which is the greater burden, moderating our use of alcohol? or dealing with the fallout from a DUI. Which is the heavier burden? Moderating our use of alcohol, like the scriptures and the word of God tells us, or dealing with becoming an alcoholic and wrecking our marriage and family and things like that? Hmm, which is the heavier burden? Which is the heavier burden? Uh, abiding by God's teachings on chastity and purity and you know, guarding our sexual activity and saving sex for marriage and things like that? or dealing with an unwanted pregnancy, or dealing with a sexually transmitted disease, or you know, committing adultery and dealing with a couple of wrecked marriages and things like that. Which is the heavier burden? And so again, I think all we have to do is look and see at these, look at the various things that God commands us to do. And then we find that, well, 
compared to the fallout that comes from not doing what God wants us to do, God's commands really are not burdensome at all by comparison. And so, you know, again, but, but, but St. John, you can tell he paid very close attention at the Last Supper where Jesus says in a number of times, if you love me, you will keep my commands. St. John then says in the first letter of John that he's writing to the little community he's writing to, telling them, you know, if you love him, you will keep his commands. The one who says that he knows him but does not keep his commands is a liar. And so, you know, the connection then between keeping the commands and knowing and, and loving Jesus in the mind of Jesus, that's where it's all to be found, all right? And that, that um, with, with what Jesus is telling us is that if we want to say that we know him, if we want to say that we love him, in his mind anyway, the extent that we, to which we know him and love him is measured to the extent by which we keep his commands. If we keep his commands, we know him and love him. If we don't keep his commands, we disown him and we do not love him, at least in the mind of Jesus. Now, again, other folks might think other things. And, and again, in our culture where so many things have been reduced to feelings and emotions, which is unfortunate, um, there might be a lot of folks out there that say, well, if I'm going to say that I love Jesus, then that means there must be some kind of a corresponding feeling that goes along with it. And if I don't feel that, well, then I don't love Jesus. Or again, like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, if someone comes up to us and says, you know, list the Ten Commandments, and maybe I can't really list them all or list them in order, and so I'm a little bit embarrassed because I should know this, but I don't. But it's quite another question to come up and say, do you know Christ? Do you love Christ? And the problem is, I think if a lot of us are saying, well, I really have to honestly say that if by love and know, you're asking me to apply the same experience of loving and knowing of what I have from my family members and, you know, people, my friends, people that I love and people that I know, can I apply that same to Jesus who I've never seen, whose hands I've never shaken? You know, I, I've read the scriptures. I've read the stories. I receive him in the Eucharist. I believe Jesus is present in the forms of bread and wine. But that's still a lot different than being present in the form of a warm handshake or, or, or you know, a firm hug or something like that, right? And so I think if we're not careful, we walk away from that question. Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? we kind of go, well, I just must be kind of a second-rate Christian because I don't seem to have that same emotional or you know feelings-based response that other people seem, and I think we should really accentuate that word seem, that other people seem to have. And what I'm prepared to, to argue on this installment of Double-Word Sword is based on what Christ himself has said, he's not basing knowing him and loving him on a feeling or an emotion. He's basing loving him and knowing him on keeping his commandments. Now, keeping his commandments is a difficult thing to do. The concept is pretty simple. If I love him, I will keep his commandments. If I claim to know him, I will keep his commandments. You know, the concept is pretty simple. Doing it, of course, we know is hard. None of us keeps the commandments perfectly. All of us fail. That's why, you know, and then we sin. That's why I have to go to confession. We need help and grace in keeping those commandments. That's why we go receive the sacrament of the Eucharist, so we can get that grace, so we can fulfill that. And then in specific vocations, in priesthood or religious life, or in, in married life, 
we have the sacraments of holy orders for priests, and we have the sacrament of matrimony for married people so that we can get the grace that we need to fulfill the commands that Christ has laid out for priests and married folks and so on. And so the thing is, is that in order, I think in order to answer that question, you know, do I love Jesus? Do I know Jesus? In Jesus' own mind, the answer to that question is, to what extent do we keep the commands? And I think that's where we're kind of really where, um, where, the, where the rubber kind of hits the road. Because again, you know, again, I'm going to bring up old Al Cresta again. And again, don't get me wrong. Like I said before, I, I love Al's show. Al's a great guy. He's very intelligent. I like listening to him. And again, I would welcome the opportunity to get on his show sometime and, and, and discuss this with him. Or he can sit down with me on an installment of Double-Edged Sword and we could discuss this sometime. But when I hear people out there in Catholic media land saying, well, you know, Catholics are well catechized, but they're not very well evangelized. And, and by evangelization, we mean coming to know and love the person of Christ. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, when, when people are saying that Catholics aren't very well evangelized, and you're saying, you know, they don't love or know the person of Jesus, they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, what does that mean? Because again, in Jesus' mind, based on these pieces of scripture I, I just read, it looks like in his mind, having a relationship with him and knowing him and loving him is measured by how well, to what extent we keep the, the commandments. And so um, I think we'll, we'll stop there, we'll have a little break here. And then when we come back um, on the second part of the program, we're going to look at how St. Paul deals with the whole issue of evangelization. He doesn't exactly call it that, but we're going to see how, how St. Paul kind of engages this. So again, I am Father Fred Gatchett. I am the Vicar General for the Diocese of Salina, and I'm also the, the Rector of Sacred Heart Cathedral here in Salina. I teach religion part-time, two hours a day, to my sophomores at Sacred Heart High School here in Salina, teach them Old and New Testament. I really enjoy doing that. And um, you're listening to the Double-Edged Sword program here on the fine family of Divine Mercy Catholic radio stations, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, 101.7 KJDM Lindsberg Salina, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, and our classic station where it all began, 88.1 KVDM Hayes. And um, on the Double-Edged Sword program, we are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And we've been talking about evangelization and catechesis. And so you stay right there and we will be back in just a few seconds. Hey troops, we are back. And you are tuned into the Double-Edged Sword program here on the fine family of Catholic radio stations, KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, KJDM 101.7 Lindsberg Salina, KMDG 105.7 Hayes, and where it all began some years ago, KVDM 88.1 Hayes. And here on the Double-Edged Sword program on Divine Mercy Radio, we are cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. And today, in this program, we've been talking about the difference between catechesis and evangelization. And kind of what got me thinking about this was listening to Al Cresta's show the other day um, called Cresta in the Afternoon. If you haven't tuned in yet, you should. It's an excellent show. Al always has a lot of thought-provoking stuff. He really knows his faith, and um, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy. 
Um, I had the honor of meeting him a couple of years ago at the Divine Mercy Banquet, at the banquet we have every year. And um, he was a good speaker and, and a very gracious gracious man, a gracious host. And so, um, again, my purpose here is not to bash Al Crestov, but, but just to kind of maybe, I want to be nice to sit down and talk to him sometime. When he talks about this difference between, between catechesis and evangelization, and it's not just Al. I've read this in, in Catholic media, other you know, in print media, and I've heard it on other um, Catholic radio station programs and so on, where they talk about um, how Catholics are supposedly well catechized, but not very well evangelized. And in the first half of the program, we define those two things, that catechesis just means knowing the nuts and bolts of the faith, you know, knowing the Ten Commandments, knowing the seven sacraments, knowing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, knowing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, knowing that King David is in the Old Testament and St. Paul is in the New Testament and you know, things like that, you know, knowing our scriptures, knowing the, you know, the story of the Exodus of the Israelites getting out of Egypt and the 10 plagues and things like that. And knowing the stories of Jesus and the resurrection, that's all catechesis. Evangelization, on the other hand, is knowing the person of Christ, loving the person of Jesus Christ and what that means. And um, so, again, like I say, you, you hear um, a, a lot of folks, you know, in, in spiritual and religious circles that will say, well, you know, Catholics are well catechized, but not very well evangelized. And I think that when you look at what Jesus himself says, you know, if evangelization means knowing and loving the person of Jesus, well, when I look in the New Testament, whenever I see Jesus himself in the Last Supper discourse in the Gospel of St. John, for example, where he says, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commands. He doesn't say if you love me, you'll have a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, okay? If he says, the one who loves me is the one who keeps my commands. And then John, in the first letter of John, says the one who knows him. You know, if someone claims to know him but does not keep his commands, is a liar. And so to know Jesus is to keep his commands. When we look at our relationships we have with other people that are, that are important to us, some people that we love, then we say, well, how do I, how can I say that I know, you know, my, my best friend from high school? Well, I know him or her because we spent time together. I know him or her because we did a lot of fun things together and we talked and we got to know each other and so on. And so... It's like that's one way of knowing someone. But then Jesus says, no, if, you know, St. Saint John says in the first letter of John, the one who knows him, the one who claims to know him, will keep his commands. And so at, le at least with Jesus, it seems like knowing and loving is a little bit of a different definition than from a person. Because, again, to know and love a person means to get to know them, to spend time with them, to understand what they want and what they like and what they don't like. And to love them means to, you know, put it all out for them, to do what we can for them and so on. Well, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And so the thing, I think, you know, the, the, the first conclusion I want to come to is if you're a Catholic out there and you've heard the, these differences being made between catechesis and evangelization, and you're kind of going, well, yeah, I mean, I went to a Catholic school or, you know, I, I read Catholic books and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well catechized, but dang, they ask me if I love Jesus and I compare, you know, I, I know what it means to love because I love my spouse or I love my children or, you know, I love my best friend or whatever the case might be. 
but I, I look at that and compared to the relationship I have with Jesus or my experience with Jesus, and I don't think the two quite compare. So therefore, I just must not be a very good Christian because I cannot say that I have the same feeling for Jesus that I have for my children, or I don't have the same feeling for Jesus that I have for my best friend, or I don't have the same feeling for Jesus that I have for my spouse, because I know what it means to love those people. And so if you ask me if I love Jesus, I don't know about that. Or if you ask me if I know Christ, you know, you'll, you'll hear in, you know, various, you know, Protestant circles and stuff, you know, how they had some big prayer rally and they brought a bunch of kids in and, and, you know, we had a bunch of kids who came to know Christ. It's like, they came to know Christ. What do you mean by that? They had an altar call. People were shaking and convulsing in the aisle. And, you know, do you want to accept Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? I do. Oh, another one, save for the Lord. Praise Jesus, you know. It's like, well, I'm, you know, maybe that's got some value to it. I don't know. But I don't see any basis for it in Scripture. You know, if, if you're sitting there saying, you know, we've got a bunch of young people to know Christ. Well, according to what the Scripture says, what that means is you've got a bunch of young people to obey His commandments. And see, I don't know that when they say they got people to know Christ, I don't think that's what they're saying. I think that what they're saying is they got them in, they had some kind of an emotional experience, and they're, they're translating that somehow as saying they come to know Christ. Well, Jesus says something completely different. You know, like I said, in the first letter of John, in, in, um, in chapter 1, the one who claims to know him but does not keep his commands is a liar. And so in the first letter of John in the scriptures, knowing Christ means keeping his commands. In the Gospel of St. John, chapters 14 and 15, from the Last Supper discourse, to love Christ means to keep his commands. And so the, the first thing that I want to say to folks that are going, well, you know, Catholics are well catechized but not evangelized, I think they might be a little bit more better evangelized than what you think. Because I don't know of anyone that calls himself a Catholic, especially one that comes to the church on Sunday, that isn't struggling to try to keep the commands. You know, we have varying degrees of success. We have varying degrees of failure. That's why we have the sacrament of penance. But nonetheless, I think that when you look at the, the people out there that are making a bona fide effort and that are struggling very hard to try to keep the commands, and it bothers us when we don't, when we, do, when we fail to keep the commands of Christ, when we fail to keep the Ten Commandments, then, you know, we know that something's wrong. We experience guilt and we want to set it right. And so I think that what, we, by Jesus' own definition, when he himself is saying, the one who loves me will keep my commands, then, you know, to the extent that we're struggling to keep the commands of Christ, we are by default evangelized. We are by, def by definition, and by the only definition that counts, Jesus' definition, by Jesus' definition, we are evangelized if we are trying to keep the commandments. Now, what I, what I alluded to in the first part of the program is in the second part of the program, I wanted to talk a little bit about St. Paul because name anyone who is better evangelized than St. Paul. You know, when he's going on the road to Damascus, as we read about in the Acts of the Apostles, he's going along trying to, you know, going to arrest a bunch of Christians and put them in jail for being Christians. A bright flash of light comes out of the heavens. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And just, you know, in a nanosecond, you know, Christ infused into St. Paul's mind the entire message of the gospel. You know, that Jesus came to earth, died for sinners, rose from the dead, and, you know, everything that, they, you know, not just the simple proclamation of the faith, but everything 
everything that it means. And, um, you know, St. Paul, it's, he t- says in the letter to the Galatians that after this happened, he went, to, he went to Arabia for a while just to kind of sort it all out for a couple, two or three years. So it took him quite a bit of time to kind of sort all this out. And so then he comes back. And when you read the writings of St. Paul, here you have this guy who is very, very much evangelized. But, if, but again, if we think that evangelization means having some you know, feeling inside of us about knowing and loving the person of Christ, well, again, read St. Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, St. Paul says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it is I or they, so we proclaim, and so you came to believe. And so here, you know, what's St. Paul saying? I worked my tail off. You know, I worked harder. When he says I worked harder than any of them, the them is the original 12 apostles. And he says, but it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was in me, you know, doing the work. But the point, though, is, is that here you have Paul saying that, you know, that, that, that his relationship with Jesus manifests itself not in some warm, fuzzy feeling. In fact, he never says that anywhere. But here he's saying that it manifests itself in the tremendous amount of work that he did um, to try to further the gospel. Or in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verses be verses 9 through 12, St. Paul says, You remember our labor and toil, brothers and sisters. We worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how pure, upright, and blameless our conduct was toward you believers. As you know, we dealt with each of you like a father here with his children, urging and encouraging and pleading that you lead a life worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So here you have St. Paul likening himself to a father working with the Thessalonians and saying that, you know, that while we were worked you, we worked day and night. And I think, again, look at the families, look at the mothers and fathers out there working tremendously long hours at their jobs, trying to hold together the family and the home, all these things that they do. I mean, I think that that shows that these folks are evangelized by the fact that they do these things. And then on top of that, teaching their children the ways of the faith, teaching their children the commandments of God and so on. And again, kind of like with, with St. Paul here talking to the Thessalonians, you know, how our labor and toil, we worked night and day. You know, that just sums up to me what I see, you know, most spouses and parents doing. And to me, that would be, you know, that would qualify as being evangelized, as evangelization. In 2 Corinthians 11, it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting letter. St. Paul then talks about some of the stuff that he's been through. And that this is kind of a long citation. This is 2 Corinthians 11, 21 to 29. And St. Paul says this. But whatever d- dares to boast of, he says, I'm speaking like a fool. Because he, you can see he's kind of, a, he's uncomfortable about kind of tooting his own horn here. But at the same time, he's saying, if I don't toot it, how is anybody going to know what I'm going to tell him? And so he's kind of trying, he's making a case in point, and he's using himself as the case in point, but he's kind of embarrassed because I think he feels like he's bragging on himself. But it needs to be said. And so here's what he says. But whatever anyone dares to boast of, I am speaking like a fool. I also dare to boast that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I am a better one. 
with greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless floggings, and often near death. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. For a night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers and sisters, in toil and hardship, though through many sleepless nights, hungry and thirsty, often without food, cold and naked. And besides other things, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I am not indignant? And so when you look here, you look at what poor old Paul's been through. You look at all these things he talks about, being shipwrecked, being beaten, being cold and hungry and things like that. I mean, does that sound like somebody whose heart is overflowing with warm, fuzzy feelings? No, it does not. And in fact, you know, again, when, when St. Paul says, after all these things I've been through, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for all the churches. In other words, he's thinking about all these Christian communities that he founded, and he's kind of going, you know, what happens to these places? I mean, I worry sick about them because I don't know if they're keeping the faith. I don't know if they're being led astray by, you know, people coming in and, you know, teaching false things that I never taught them and, and so on. Maybe all the work that I did there is going to go up in smoke if they go down the wrong path. Well, again, how many mothers and fathers aren't basically saying the same thing? They're talking about how, you know, the various things they face, you know, difficulties at work, hard people to deal with, so on, and, you know, add up all their anxieties and their fears. And I said, and on top of that, add to all that, you know, I am under daily pressure because of my anxiety for my children because of my anxiety for my family, okay? And so, again, I think that if, if people are going to make a distinction between catechesis and evangelization, I think we need to make a very, we have to have, make a very clear definition and mutual understanding as to what we mean by evangelization. I think the catechesis one is pretty clear. I think anybody that said, is going to have this conversation we're going to go, well, you know, catechesis is knowing thing, like I said before, about our knowing our Ten Commandments, knowing, you know, all just kind of the nuts and bolts about the faith, so that when we sit down and talk about this stuff, we can do so with, you know, in a common frame of reference. This is necessary with anything. You know, if, you know, if, if you have a, a couple of mechanics that sit down and they're, they're trying to figure out why a car won't work, and one, one of them says, well, you know, the thingamajig here doesn't want to stick on the whatever bob or whatever the thing might be. And then someone else comes and says, well, that's because, you know, the little hoochamajig there. And it's like, no, 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 we have to have a common vocabulary here. You know, someone says, you know, I, I couldn't get the fuel injector body to stick, you know, to attach firmly to the manifold. You know, well, you know, now we've got a vocabulary that we can both we can both agree upon. And then when we talk about it. We both know what we're talking about. Well, that's why it's, it's required. It's necessary to be catechized. So that when we talk about words like, you know, virtues and love and hope, you know, that we know what these words mean. They're defined for us in the catechism. When we talk about sins like adultery or murder or theft or something like that, you know, that the, 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 these things are all something that we all know about. So when we, when we use the words, we don't, have to des- we don't have to describe them and define them every time because everybody knows what, they're, what, what they are. That's why catechesis is necessary. But then we talk about evangelization and evangelization being to, to know and love the person of Jesus. Well, I think the best person to ask about that is Christ himself. 
And, you know, what does it mean to love Jesus? And he tells us very clearly in the Gospel of St. John, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Then John tells us in the first letter of John, having been at the Last Supper and having heard Jesus give this discourse, then in the first letter of John, where he says, you know, the one who claims to know Christ but does not keep his commands is a liar, and there's no truth in such a one. And so there, again, I think we can see that in the mind of Jesus himself, evangelization means keeping his commands. It doesn't mean having some kind of a feeling inside. You know, coming to know the person of Christ means to keep his commands. So it's a vicious kind of a self-eating cycle in that the, the more we keep his commands, the better we know him. And the better we know him, the more ready and the more able you are to keep his commands. And the more we keep his commands, the more deeply we come to know and love him. And the more deeply you know and love him, the more we'll keep his commands. And, you know, once we get on that cycle, that, you know, that's a pretty good cycle to get stuck into as, you know, both of them are increased. The more we love, the more we keep the commands, the more we keep the commands, the more we know and love. It's a good deal. But I think, though, that, you know, when we make these distinctions between catechesis and evangelization, you know, a lot of people might walk away thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm just not that good a Christian because, you know, when they talk about if I love Jesus, I don't know what that means. I can't really say that I've experienced the love of Christ the way I've experienced the love of my mom or dad, you know, things like that. But um, nonetheless, Christ himself is saying that to love him is to keep his commandments. Therefore, if we are keep his, keeping his commandments, we are evangelized. And if, you know, depending on to, to the extent to where we are keeping the commandments. I think that, that if we understand evangelization the way Jesus intends it to be understood, at least as evidenced by the scriptures, that loving him and knowing him means keeping his commands, I think it does two things for us at one and the same time. Number one, it might, it's a consolation, I think. I think for a lot of folks, once we understand evangelization as the process of keeping Christ's commands, that you know, to know him and to love him is to keep his commands, then we have, I think we have the consolation of saying, well, maybe I'm not a half-baked Christian after all. Maybe I'm not a second or third-rate Christian after all. You know, maybe... You know, by by virtue of the fact that I don't always keep his commands, but I sure am trying. And in fact, if I dare say so, like Saint, to borrow St. Paul's words, I'm sounding like a fool now. I'm talking like a fool. But I think I definitely do a better job of keeping the Lord's commands now than I did, say, 10 years ago. Okay? Well, good. You know, then, you know, I think, again, we have the consolation of knowing that we are evangelized and, and that we're growing and in, in, in our, our state of evangelization is growing, the more and the better we, we keep Christ's commands. At the same time, it's a challenge because we also know it's necessary that, you know, we, we know that we don't keep the commands as well as we should, that we all have a growing edge where we, you know, we can work on a particular command and work on keeping it better than we have in the past, um, knowing that, you know, we, we don't always do it the best, but, you know, we try. And, and the, the more we try and the better we get at it, you know, the more evangelized that we become and the more we come to know and love Jesus on the grounds and on the terms that he has defined it as in the scriptures. Now, again, if by knowing and loving Jesus, we're comparing it to the way we know and love other human beings, I think most of us are going to kind of say, well, I think I come up short there. And then we're going to say, well, I guess, you know, what they say is true. I might be catechized, but not very evangelized. Well, 
Again, I'm here to propose today that if we are struggling to keep the commandments, we are evangelized by definition, by the definition laid forth by Christ himself in the Gospels. So again, I am Father Fred Gatchett, and you've been listening to the Double-Edged Sword program here on the fine family of Catholic radio stations, KV, uh, KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, um, KMDG 105.7 Hayes, and 101.7 Lindsburg Salina, and our original and flagship station, KBDM 88.1 in Hayes. And we'll see you on the next time. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye and God bless.